Father, we just thank you this day, Lord God, for your goodness and your kindness. We thank you for your great love towards us this morning. We thank you, Father, Lord God, that your word is loving and active. Father, we thank you, Lord God, Father, that you will open up this work to us by your Holy Spirit. Father, I pray for the revelation of your word, Lord God. Father, it's the spirit that gives life, Lord God, Father. I pray, Lord God, that you will bring life to this word, Lord. Father, it will be your life. Father, if I speak dead words, I pray, let them fall to the ground. That's where they belong. But, Father, if there's life in them, Lord God, I pray, Lord God, let it, Lord God, Father, fall upon good soil here this morning, Father. And we will, Lord God, be blessed, Lord God, to be in the house of the Lord. Amen and amen, praise God. You know, this morning, I will tell you how early I got up, but I was sitting in the office and I just felt to go home. And um, I felt to run. That's a, a strange thing to do on a Sunday. Uh, I, I meant to do it yesterday, I didn't do it, I mean, a physical run. And, um, and I, so I missed my boat yesterday. Something overtook me today, so, so I shot home, shot me up the drays, parked the car, shots on, and I'm tanking it along the road. And um, I like to keep in fit, and can I say that for every single one of us? You know, we really need to look after ourselves, we really do. The older you get, the more harder you have to work at this. So I'm running along the road, and I could hear this singing, worship, along the Peace Week Road, the Splendid Road. Just as I'm approaching the, um, the, the, the scout camp, it's up there. And I presume that there must have been a meeting taking place and there's a, sometimes there'll host some Christian meetings up there. I could hear those worship things. I'm not hearing heavenly angels singing. And then I had to stop at a crossroads and actually think about it. So I presume it was coming from that scout hall. Who knows? Glory to God. And here we are, we're back again. So I just want to encourage us all today. Listen, if you don't look after yourself, nobody else is going to look after yourself. No, obviously, except the body, have the mind. And I want to encourage us all that we need to start to look after ourselves, especially in these days in which we live. And God expects us to look after ourselves. And I just want to encourage us and then in that as well. And, um, and it, I remember talking to somebody just recently, and they just started to say they need to get fitter. And then when they first started this, it was horrific, absolutely horrific. But they persevered and they persevered. And I want to tell you this, it's good to be, Paul says it's good to be physically strong, but it's far better to be spiritually strong. So, so that is the significance of this this morning. So I just thought that as we started for 10. My heading this morning is, what does it mean to love God? What does it mean to love God? We're going to be looking at this whole aspect of loving God. Because everybody in their granny loves God. I talk to people all the time, they're out in the streets, we're doing outreach. Oh, I love God, everybody loves God. And, and you know, and, and we all seem to have this, this big idea of what it is to love God. And um, I always say to you someday, I'll sit with you for t half an hour over a cup of coffee and I'll tell you something if I think you love God. Because it's just a statement that we throw out. And I suppose people mean it, you know. I love my granny, I love my dog, I love my, I love my coke, I love my curry. I love God and, you know, what does it mean to love God? In Mark's Gospel, chapter 12, we'll read a couple of verses, Mark 12, and then there's a question people were asking the Lord Jesus Christ here as well regarding the law. So Mark 12, we'll read a few verses here. Still just breaking this new Bible in, hallelujah. Get there, hallelujah. Glory to God. And from verse 28, then one of the scribes came, and having heard them reasoning together, perceiving that he had answered them well, Jesus, he asked them, which is the first commandment of all? What is the greatest of all the commandments? The Jews were always actually weighing the commandments, and they had about 600 plus 
But they were always trying to say good, great commandments and lesser commandments, and not all those commandments would apply to all of us. There was different ones that applied to some and others to others, but there was some that would apply to everybody. So he comes and he asks Jesus, what is the greatest of all the commandments? And Jesus answers him and says, the first of all the, com- the, first of all the commandments is this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. So the scribe said to him, Well said, teacher, you have spoken the truth, for there is one God, and there is no one other than he. And to love him with all your heart, with all your understanding, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself, is more than all the whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that he had done surprisingly, he said to him, you're not far from the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. Now Jesus here is quoting the Old Testament, Deuteronomy 6 and 4, here, O Israel. And he's also adding in Leviticus 19 and 18, which tells us that we should love our neighbor as ourselves. But it should be the loving your neighbor as yourself should be the outflow of you loving God. So if I should be loving God, that needs to flow out of me and I need to be loving the people outside of, the, of me. So easy, so many Christians I know are, are bubble Christians. So easy for me to love my wife and to love my kids, to love those who are nearest and dearest to me, who are those who are in my little radar. But the Bible tells us we should be loving others outside of us. We should be loving our fellow man. We should be expressing that love to whosoever that we should be coming into contact. It should be flowing out of us. That means we should be loving the people around us. So depending then how much you love God, if you like, that outflow or that overflow will be expressed by how much you love your people. So we can measure your love of God. So what I said is, when I talk to people, I can measure the love of God by your actions and how I watch you, how you live, how you live their life, what you give of yourself, what you don't give of yourself. Are you kind to the poor? Do you look to the poor? Do you give offerings to the poor? Do you think of the poor? Does it bother you? Does it bother you? Do you, do you walk by somebody lying in the street and you don't give one ounce of sympathy for that person? You don't care for him? How does that love of God manifest in your life? Jesus says there should be an outflow. If you say you love God, then that should flow out of us, that people can see that. Hallelujah. You ever been in the company of somebody to say, there's something about that man, I can't explain it, or that woman, there's something about them, there's something radiates out of them. It should be the love of God. It should be something that is tangible that should be flowing from us. Hallelujah. Many Christians today have got down here are very childish in their understanding of this great and glorious love of God that they choose to express, that he chose to express towards us. So much childness is of that. It's a little bit like the teddy bear. Remember when you were young, you had a wee teddy bear. Your wee teddy bear came everywhere from you. You, you go, oh, that was my wee teddy bear. I carried around my teddy bear. Some Christians are like that, you know, it's like, oh, they, they, they like that, the, the teddy bear, or the, the wee comfy blanket. Do you remember the wee comfy blanket? Kids have all got a wee, what's that about a comfy blanket? Something that would hold against them. And it had to be that blanket. If it wasn't that blanket, you were in trouble, the wee comfy blanket. Or shall we dare say the soothing dummy? What well, that soothing dummy? Remember the soothing dummy? You kids needed that dummy. It was always one of the great mysteries of the world. In the middle of the night, your child spat the dummy and Where the heck was that dummy? That place was screamed upside down and wondered, where the heck's the dummy? It was in the pram, now it's gone, it's in the wee cork. And we turned the house to be that child and not shut up until it was a dummy. And once I had this dummy, 
<laughs> you'll wind away, come and you'll just sit down. If it's in the middle of the night, you can't find that dummy. If you want to mention the next minute, it's gone. It's always good to have something else. But you get a lot of Christians like that. It's like God's like these. Uh, we, we treat God like that, you know. And it's, you know, I've, I've spoken to many Christians and asked them and say, oh, it just makes me feel all just bumpy, squishy, though. Just loves me, God loves me. Oh, I just feel so lovely, wonderful, warm. And I talk to a lot of Christians like that, and they express that love of God. Oh, it's just so wonderful. And, you know, and it's like this big sugar daddy just loving them and loving them and loving them, and they just feel so loved, just like the baby. And that's how they think they express the love of God. Hallelujah. It makes me feel so wonderful. We used to have a lady in this church. She's not here now. In fact, she's with the Lord. I remember visiting her one time. Oh, I just love Jesus. I love him. I love him. And, you know, she's so she was sitting Saturday night and watching, you know, strictly come dancing. And she says, and meet the Holy Spirit with God. And we, we just dance around the room together. The Holy Spirit and I, and we just had a band speaking Jesus, dancing to the strictly. And, and she treated the Lord like that, like, no, go to the shops, go to the shops, and go to the shops. And it's this kind of sense. I know the Lord is always with us and he never leaves us. But I don't think if we can duck and say, you know, how to dance around the room with him, how we're dancing all over the place, you know. Because I feel that, that Jesus, just that expression, and she would have that expression. And I, I didn't say to her, I thought, this is absolute childish. As if God's only dance around the room with us and we can, you know, wherever we want to go. But that was her expression of the Lord, and that's how she felt. It's a little bit like, you know, that song. Again. So a lot of people have got that. It doesn't matter what you do or you don't do, because he just loves us. He's just a God of love. I just love him. He just loves me, loves me, loves me. So whether what I do or what I don't do is inconsequential. Because God's a God of love. He just loves us and he's always just there for us. And he's there just to inspire us and encourage us. It reminds me of that song you probably know, Donny Osmond and, and they called it Happy Love. <laughs> Donny and the Osmonds. And, and a lot of people treat God like that. It's this puppy love mentality. God's love, they just have got that kind of sound in it. But what does it actually mean? To know the love of God. Is it, is it in that level? And many Christians relate to God, especially modern day church today, and in finding that. This shallow love is prevalent though within many churches today, and I've talked to a lot of people from different churches. Maybe it's prevalent in here, I'm not too sure. I'd have to speak to you afterwards. But it's that shallowness of love today that we find today in our churches. The wealth, health, and prosperity crowd. And listen to me, I'm going to speak that again. Well, the prosperity crowd have mistaken the love of God for the love of money, for the love of this world. Maybe some of you might object to me saying that again. I have to say that as a pastor of this church because I do not believe it's rooted in the scriptures. And I know you've got your big fans, and I know you've got people that you actually, that you will adhere to much that actually promote this. The prosperity, super prosperity, extra prosperity, more and more and more and more. But it does not agree with the Holy Scriptures that I have before me. And just in case, I want to move on that because I'm not here to throw this around just now, but still, I feel as a pastor of the church, I have to mention it because many people are caught up with these big names. But let me just read this portion of Scripture. If anyone teaches otherwise and does not consent to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which accords with godliness, he's proud, knowing nothing, but obsessed with disputes and arguments over words from which every envy, strife, reviling, evil suspicions, useless wranglings of men, corrupt minds, and destitute the truth. Who suppose that godliness is a means of gain from which withdraw yourself. Now listen to this. This is the word of God. It's not my word. 1 Timothy 6. Now godliness with contentment is great gain. 
For we brought nothing into the world, and it is certainly we will carry nothing out. Having food and clothing, with these we shall be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptations and a snare, and to many foolish and harmful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith and their greediness and have pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Now listen, I believe that God prospers us. I believe that God takes care of us. I believe that God looks after us. I can put my hand up and say, I know many times when we have been blessed powerfully by the Lord. I've once received 10,000 pounds from a person. 10,000 pounds. When we were in a great hole. <laughs> Whatever, Linda, you know. Amen. Because we were in a desperate hole and God made provision for us. I am not against God making provision for us, but I will not make a doctrine out of it. God will look after us and God will take care of us. Hallelujah. I'm just saying there's something wrong and we have to be very careful with that, brothers and sisters. And it's my duty as a pastor of the church actually to bring that to your attention. I believe it's a shallow gospel that feeds the flesh. Your best life now mantra that spills out from big mega wealthy churches of the predominantly westernized nations. Go preach that in the middle of Africa in the middle of some hellhole where they've got nothing. They're struggling to get just, they're running out in rags. I've been in situations like that. Go and preach that gospel there. Go and preach that in some society when there's nothing, there's never going to be any nothing because the whole system is absolutely wrecked. And preach that gospel to them. Hallelujah. But thank God for his goodness. As I'm just saying again, it's the understanding, it's another way that we've replaced true love for God and really deep down was a true love for the things of this world. But let me move on before you stone me. Hallelujah. I did say this and I've said this too often. We've made God the Father, the Godfather. Take the that out in the middle of it. Instead of being God the Father, we take the that out and put it in front of that and you've got the Godfather. And that's where you have to keep giving money to the Godfather for him to look after to you. Please hold me up in this. Mega churches are always screaming for your money. You won't hear that. In fact, I'm the opposite in here, but that doesn't mean you say I don't believe in giving. There's a box here, by the way, that Linda didn't mention. We'll say that. We take offerings. And if you want to give an offering, you're welcome to put something into that box. Say, glory to God, which keeps us afloat and keeps us ticking over. We're not going to get flung out for being not paying our bills, okay? Hallelujah. I want to tell you this just now. We have to be very careful with this doctrine, which has exploded and has been exploded for years. And somebody has to stand up and say something against it. And here's one guy that's standing up and saying something to get. I do not think it's rooted in the word of God, but many people will preach another gospel and they will say it does. Let me go to Ephesians now, brethren. I just say, let me get to them before you storm me. So let me get to Ephesians 3 and I will read from 14 now. Now we're going back to the love of God. What is the love of God? What does it mean to love God? Let's have a look at that love. Paul writing here to the Ephesian brethren, we'll break in at verse 14. For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to, the strength, to be strengthened with his might through his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what it is, what is the width and length and depths and heights of that love? To know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him is able to do abundantly and exceedingly more than we could ask or think, according to the power that works in him. 
To him be the glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. And here, Paul is saying that we might know that love, that love that goes beyond any of our understandings, the love of God is so wide, is so deep, so high and so wide. It's immense. And we need to get the revelation of what that love means. What does that mean, that love that God has given to us? We need to hear what the Spirit of God is saying to us. I've got down here a letter from, um, that I've found. Um, and it's from Albert. Um, let me just get it first. Glory to God. Modern technology. It's from the great man Einstein himself. Glory to God. And it's a letter he wrote to his daughter, his daughter-in-law, Albert Einstein. Some say one of the greatest minds that was on the planet, but I'm sure there's been others. And this is what Albert Einstein wrote to this letter to his daughter. When I proposed the theory of relativity, very few understood me. And what I would reveal now to transmit to mankind will also collide with misunderstanding and the prejudice in this world. I ask you to guard the letters as long as necessary, years, decades, until society is advanced enough to accept what I will explain below. There is an extremely powerful force that, so far, science has not found a formal explanation to. It is the force that includes and governs all others, and even behind any phenomenon operating in the universe has not yet been identified by us. This universal force is love. When scientists looked for unified theories of the universe, they forgot the most powerful unseen force. Love is light that enlightens those who give it and receive it. Love is gravity because it makes some people feel attracted to others. Love is power because it multiplies the best we have and allows humanity not to be extinguished in their blind selfishness. Love unfolds and reveals. For love we live and die. Love is God and God is love. This force explains everything and gives meaning to life. This is the variable that we have ignored for far too long. Maybe because we are afraid of love because it is, only, it is the only energy in the universe that man has not learned to drive at will. To give visibility to love, I made a simple subtraction in my most famous equation. If instead of E equals MC2, don't ask me what that means, ask Einstein, we accept that the energy to heal the world can be obtained through love multiplied by the speed of light squared we arrive at the conclusion that love is the most powerful force there is because it has no limits. After the failure of humanity and the use and control of other forces of the universe that have turned against us, it is urgent that we nourish ourselves with another kind of energy. If we want our species to survive, if we are to find meaning in life, if we want to save the world and every segment being that inhabits it, love is the one and the only answer. Perhaps we are not yet made, yet ready to make a bomb of love, a device powerful enough to entirely destroy the hate, selfishness, and greed that devastate the planet. However, each individual carries within them a small but powerful generator of love whose energy is waiting to be released. When we learn to give and receive this universal energy, dear Lesseil, 
We will have a firm that love conquers all, is able to transcend everything and anything because love is the quaint essence of life, is the fullness of life. I deeply regret not having been able to express what is in my heart, which has quietly beaten for you all of my life. Maybe it's too late to apologize, but as time is relative, I need to tell you that I love you and thanks to you, I have reached the ultimate answer. Your father, Albert Einstein. What a tremendous letter that he penned for us and it's been saved and I just came across it yesterday. I was blessed to read this great man's thoughts because he was a believer and trusted in the Lord according to his own confession. Glory to God. Now, John 3.16, it's a famous verse, isn't it, that everybody will know. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but will have everlasting life. They say it's one of the most famous verses in all the Holy Bible that we have before us. Glory to God. I've been looking at that for a while, and, um, and, and I've been thinking, what actually does that mean? What does that mean that God so loved the world? Does that, does that mean that God loves the world? And what, is that, what does that mean? Does God love the whole world? That we've always said that God loves everyone and everything? I think, and I want to say clearly here, I think a better understanding, a rendering of this famous verse should be this. And I've said this already to some people. For God so expressed his love to the world by giving us his only begotten son. Hallelujah. I think it would be better for us to understand actually that God so expressed his love to this world by giving us his only begotten son. That's what I think is a better rendering of that. But that's just that big blanket just to say, God loves everyone. And I had once, you know, I would have said, does God love everyone? Does God love these wicked people who are killing children and battering their heads off of rocks and abusing them? Life life? So God loves them. I hear people saying, that, well, God loves everybody. He hates their sin, but he loves them. Does he? Does he really? Let me unpack that, as I said, before you actually stone the messenger. John 17 and 9, you're welcome to go there. Jesus, when he's praying for his church and the believers, Jesus says this in John 17, 9, I pray for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those that you've given to me out of the world, for they are yours. You look at that, and listen, look at it in the King James as well. I think you'll say that as well. If Jesus says, I'm not praying for the world, but I'm praying for those that you've given me out of the world. Now, that's quite amazing, isn't it? This is now coming close to the, the latter days of Jesus' life on this earth. He says, Father, I'm not praying for the world, but I'm praying for those that you've given to me out of the world. So again, we're looking and we're visiting that statement. What does it mean for God so loved the world? Again, I'll go back to this rendering. For God so expressed his love to the world. And if I explained it something like this, Linda, could you stand up? Please stand there. Okay. Let me go back now. Let me just capture that. So I could... I could be expressing my love to Linda, amen, but she's still over there and I'm expressing that love to Linda. Now, Linda can either receive that love or she can reject that love. So I'm standing here, Linda's standing there. Now, I'm chosen to express my love to her as I did many, many, many years ago. <laughs> now, Linda could actually choose to ignore that or she could accept that. So while I'm exp I've expressed my love to her, I'm expressing to her that I love her and she has to respond to that. She either, she's either going to stay outside my love, which is here, or she can step into that. Step over here. <laughs> right, okay, 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 okay. Now, it's a simple illustration, brother. God chose, to, God chose to express his love to the world. 
But while, they, while they're there still outside of God's love, I've expressed my love to them. Once they accept that love that God, then once they respond to the love of God, once they step into it, now all of a sudden they've stepped into the love of God. Outside of that, they're outside of the love of God because they're still sinners. They're still outside of the love of God. They're still under the wrath of God because of their sin. But God now has chosen to express his love to the world. When the world responds to that, they step into God's love and then immediately I embrace them and they become my children. Before that, they're still outside, but God chooses to express his love to the world and the world's got a choice. Do I step into God's love or do I stay outside of it because I don't want anything to do with God? And let me move on quickly as we express that. John 14, we'll just read a couple of verses here. John 14 and we'll read now, we're going to now just move into some deeper water. Hallelujah this morning. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Let's look at John 14 now, 15 through. Jesus says this. This is the words of Jesus. You can read them. King James, read them whatever way, a version you want to read them and listen to this. If you love me, you keep my commandments. And I pray, I will pray to the Father, and he will give you another helper, and he may abide with you forever, the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you will know me, for he dwells with you, and he will be in you. I will not leave you as his orphans. Thank the Lord for his Holy Spirit. I will come to you. Then let's read further down there. It says, a little while, not longer, the world, a little while longer, and the world will no longer see me. But you will see me because I come, because I live, you also will live. And that day you will know that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me, and that you, and I am in you. He who is my, he who is my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved my Father, and I will love him, and I will manifest myself to him. And Judas says to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself? Jesus says this again, verse 23. Jesus answered and said to, the, to him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words, and the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father who sent me. So listen again, I would say, what does it mean to love the Lord? What does it mean to love God? What does it mean to love God? If I walk in obedience to this, I'm showing my love for God. If I'm walking in disobedience to this word, then you can say you love God, but are you, do you really love God? If you're not walking according to this word or living your life according to this word. I preached the word just a couple of weeks ago and I held this up. This is the word of the Lord. This is the word of God. This is the word of life. This is the word of life. If you're not reading this word, if this word means nothing to you and it's like it's a book that sits on the shelf while you busy yourself with many other things and you're not indulging this, I want to tell you this, I would say your love for the Lord is shallow or it's a bit lukewarm and you need to indulge yourself in this word for this is the word of God, hallelujah, and this is the word that we have been called to live according to. Therefore, I'm going to hear many people have expressed their love in a bumper sticker, I love Jesus, or else it's in a t-shirt emblem, Jesus is Lord, glory to God, I love the Lord. Or sometimes it's a bit of a bling that we hang around our neck. Let me read further up here now, just John 7, uh, John 15. And we'll read a few other verses of Scripture. Jesus said this, As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I've kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. 
These things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love is no man than this that he laid down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you my friends for as long as I have, for as all the things that I have heard from my father I have made known to you. For you did not choose me but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and fruit that should remain. And whatever you ask in my Father's name, um, he may give you these things I command you that you love one another. Glory to God. Again, Jesus is saying very clearly here as we walk into his commandments, that's us showing our love to God. If I'm not walking according to his commandments, I don't love the Lord. It's quite a strong word, but it's the word of the Lord. So I've got down here and I'm going to ask you this question. So is God's love conditional or unconditional? I'll ask you the question. Is God's love conditional or is God's love unconditional? According to this word, God's love is conditional. It's not unconditional. So many of us just think, well, God loves us, you know, regardless. The Bible would seem to suggest very clearly here that God's love is conditional according to how you love your life. That's my tentative reading of this. The modern day church has lifted grace way above the law that allows us to love, live our lives below the standards of holiness and righteousness which are exemplified in the Holy Scriptures. We're not under law, brother. We're under grace. Hallelujah. I'm free. Free. I hear that many times, people saying that to me. We're free just to live my life any way I want to. It's grace, brother. God loves me. He loves me unconditionally. Therefore, I'm free just to carry on my life any way I choose to. I, listen, I, I meet many people, brethren, that actually preach that gospel. And even hyper-grace that we see now. We're not under law, we're under grace. Therefore, what happened to you? The grace came in law. What did the law do? Go out the window. So when Jesus brought grace, did they grab the law and go right, put it out there and throw it into a basket and say, right, that's it, done away with. Now we're under grace. We don't need the law. This law. Bear with me, brethren. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So we don't have to, many people don't think they have to live with that standard of holiness and righteousness that the Lord has called us to live by. Hallelujah. Or we could go to the other extreme. And there's another extreme. There's always two sides of a coin, isn't there? The pious, the religious, modern-day Pharisees. And there are many of them as well, brethren, I might add. You'll find them in the pews as well as in the pulpits. Who have lifted the law or their interpretation of that law so high that grace is left cowering in the corner, unable to lift its head. The love of God is left sterile and cold. And people really struggle to actually to, to, to receive that love of God because of the word that they preach. There are too many ministers, my friends, today I've got down here who are misrepresenting God. And this is a challenge. This is a journey I'm on. Maybe it came through a little bit last night. Can I tell you where I am? I'm, I'm, I'm seeking the truth. I'm seeking to understand God in a new way for today. And it's not that I knew God is going to express himself in a new way. But we need to find what the Lord is actually saying to us today and understand with that. There is two sides of this. Hallelujah. Far too many sides. They are experts in the letter of the law, but they don't know the spirit of the law. There's many people like that, friends, today. Whoa, experts in the law. They would leave me trembling with their, with all their PhDs and, and beyond. They see themselves up there, but if they're missing the spirit of the Lord, I want to tell you this, they're missing the Lord. 
John 1 and 14 said this, the word, of, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father full of grace and truth. Glory to God. Jesus came to sort the whole mess out. You know, if you go too far to the left, you've missed God. You go too far to the right, you're missing the revelation of God. For God is at the center. And that's where the God's heart is. We need to find the heart of God today, brethren, as we live our lives and also as we express that to those round about us. I came up with this illustration. It's mine. I didn't get it off YouTube. Didn't hear it from somebody else, but I'm sure somebody else must have said it. And some of you do. I call it the seesaw illustration. And I'll bring that to your attention now. The seesaw. And I've got the seesaw. So here we go. Seesaw. One side we have grace. Another side we have the law. Amen? The law kills us, my friend. When the law down there, man's under that. Man's down there. The law is crushing the man. The man can't, the man can't get up because of the law has kept him down because the law is just, the letter killeth. Then grace came. And what happened is then we just went like that. And now it's grace. So man is now under grace. And he's ran, he's, he's, the law has been put out of the park. And now man is under grace and it's causing them all a, a great imbalance. When Jesus came, Jesus came and he stood in the middle. So that the law is still there. God never did away with the law. God never abandoned the law. But God made it possible for us to live with the law. But why? Because grace came. And Jesus Christ came and he straddled it. You ever do that with your two kids and one of them is a wee bit heavier than others? And it's like, you've got to intervene, haven't you? Jesus came and he stood in the middle of it. So grace and law, grace allows us to live under the law. God took the law off a stone and he put it on our hearts. Amen. He, put it, he wrote it into our hearts. That's why he says you don't need anybody to teach you because now the law has been taken off. That stony law was put into our hearts and it became on our hearts. He's written it on our hearts. He put that inside of us and he gave us of his spirit to help us to live the life that he so desires us to live, brethren, today. Glory to God. 2 Corinthians 3 and 6 says this. Just to back up the letter killeth. Who also had made us able ministers of the New Testament. Not of the letter, for the, for the, but of the Spirit. For the letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth life. We desperately need a powerful move of the Holy Spirit, brethren, today. Really do. So who may God raise up today? I pray. Able ministers who can correctly handle the Word of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. Paul writing to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.15, he says, Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved. A worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. Hallelujah. We need people who can correctly handle the word of truth today. I once says that God hates the wicked, the wicked and wicked deeds. And somebody went and left this church many, many years later. And do you know the one thing he came up to me and it says, God hates sinners. I remember saying this. God hates sinners. Right? And I backed up with scripture, by the way, but there was a lot more to it. And he sat under this ministry for about four years, five years, maybe longer. And I remember when he phoned up to tell me he wasn't coming back after COVID, I might add, when he could have come back. And he says, do you remember? You said, you said, isn't it? You're always going to be, God hates sinners. So when you're out there in the streets evangelizing, do you go up to somebody and say, by the way, God hates you. Fancy coming to church? Give them an invitation. Which was actually taking something and, and, and putting, some, putting some, a slant on something which I never actually did say. That I never actually did say. 
But let us go on just a little bit further. Glory to God. If I can back up slightly. For God so loved the world, but yet Jesus says, I'm not praying for the world. Let me go on to another verse of scripture here up in 1 John, because we're going to be finishing in 1 John. Hallelujah. Just in case you want to storm me, then you listen to this, okay? John writing here, in the epistle of John, 1 John, chapter 2, verse 15. Do not love the world. This is John's writing to the church. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, it is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. Now, I want to make sure that I'm clarifying what I say. So does God love the world? So if God loves the world, why is John telling us we should not be loving the world? So the Father loves the world, but I've been told not to love the world. I'm asking the question, brethren. I'm challenging us just because there's things that's kind of set in stone and have always took as gospel. Is it gospel or is it set in stone? So what does it mean when God loves the world? And I've given you an illustration of that and challenging us to this. John writing to us says, do not love this world or the things in this world. Because this world is an evil and a wicked place. Do you think this world is wonderful? This world is wicked and evil and it's totally and utterly opposed to the things of God. Now, that doesn't mean to say everything in the world is, but we're talking generalized, and we can see that. And here, John here is encouraging us that this is what we have to do. We have to stand back. Just come back slightly, and let me go back. I've got another wee scripture there just to throw out to us. And that's um, going to be again, 1 John 2, 3 and 4. We'll just go back slightly to read those verses. Now this we know, and we know him if we keep his commandments. He who says, I know him, and does not keep his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. Whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. Glory to God. And I'm going to finish now, brethren, you'll be glad, and I'm going to finish with 1 John again. Chapter 4, I'm going to read a portion of scripture here. And I pray that God will open up our hearts to what has been written here in this word. Glory to God. 1 John 4, reading from verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another. For For love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He, he who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Is that not what Albert Einstein says? For God is love. In this, the love of God was manifested towards us, that God has sent his only begotten son into this world, that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the appropriation or the atonement for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love has been perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us, because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent the Son as Savior of this world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God, and God in him. 
Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. If someone says, I love God, and yet hates his brother, then he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? And this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother also. Whoever believes that Jesus is Christ is, is, is born of God, and everyone who loves him, who begot, also loves him, is begotten of him. By this we know that we love the children of God, when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Brethren, I'm going to bring this before you this morning, but it's time for us to step up as a people, individually and collectively. I've always said, and I've always prayed, and you have been around me a little bit longer, I've always wanted anybody that comes into this church that they will feel the presence of God, that they will feel the love of God. I've always wanted, and even before they speak to me, they say, do you know something? There's just something nice in this place. And thank God that means he's talking to you guys. Praise God. Hallelujah. That they come in and they can feel there's an atmosphere in here because you can actually, you can't create that with good doctrine and with good principles or you've got a good program. There's something that we manifest. And that can only come when the Spirit of God is in us. And I truly then, I'm really seeking to express the love of God within me and then allow that love out of me. I mean, see these people that just sit here and just love God, but they just sit here like that. We are called to express that love. We are called to reach out to people. We are called to be brethren. We need to love one another, truly. Do you know that's why the early church grew? Do you know, we've made a big mistake because we're pouring so many sororities into the world. And we think that's us fulfilling the Great Commission. Do you know the Great Commission was that we would love God and love our brothers and sisters? My first concern is to my sister. It's no Joe Soap up the road that I might feel sorry for. See, when we start to really love each other the way we did, that's why in the early church, nobody considered anything was his own. If I had plenty and my sister had nothing, then I would actually feel, I would take care of my sister. And everybody came in there and said, what a wonderful place in here. They says there was no needs. Because guess what? Everybody was looking after each other. Can I ask you a question, brethren, just as I'm kind of winding up slightly here? All of us, to an extent, maybe some of us are not, but maybe we're going to get there, we're parents. Do we know how we look after our kids? Oh man, you're going to make sure you look after them. Is that correct? Anything goes wrong, you're there for them. Generally, we're talking about a typical family. But sometimes we can miss that with the bigger picture. This is the family of God. We are family. We are the family of God. And we have been called to what? To love God and then to love one another. How does that work, brethren? Well, the only way you can get to really get to know somebody is you spend time with them, don't you? That you actually, you're, you're looking out for them. You're seeing, you're seeing, look, you know, a so-and-so is not doing so well. You don't need me to stand up here. That's the pastor's job. I'll let him go and visit him. Well, maybe God will let in your heart to go and visit somebody. Maybe God will ask you to go and do a kind act. That's how it works, brethren. It's body ministry, not pastor ministry. Amen. Hallelujah. 
It's all of us beginning to express that, to fall in love in God. Listen, I'm speaking to myself, brethren, okay? I'm challenging myself. I need to actually fall in love more than what I'm actually here. Do you know, this, do you know that the love of God is so beyond us? Ephesians has told us that. Do you know the love of God is so beyond us? So, 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 so vast and so awesome. And yet we stand in the shore of it and we just say, well, you know, rather than saying, I need to push into this. I need, to, I, need to, I, need to exp- I need to explore the depths of that love. That love is what's going to change you and it's going to make you the person you want to be. I want to encourage all of us today, and I brought this out to say again and challenge you, what does it mean to love God? And this is not here to put us onto a downer, guys, honestly. This is not to put you onto a downer and say, oh God, you know, it's like, phew. this is just to say, do you know something? I'm going to, I'm going to start seeking the Lord more. I'm going, to, I'm, going to, I'm going to really start seeking the Lord. I'm, I'm going to start pushing in. I'm going to, just as I say, I want to do it for a bit of run. This is really difficult. Do it the next day. Do it the next day. Discipline yourself. And I can assure you this, a couple of months down the road you'll be. It works the same way in the spiritual realm. I mean, I was really blessed with Thomas. Not just why you flag Thomas up. I was really blessed with Thomas, right? We had the prayer meeting on Friday night. Okay, half past six, midnight. And I had, we had little breaks. Break at eight o'clock, break at 10 o'clock, right? Then we, then we went to the full length there. And I says, guys, thank God that you're all here. But if you have to go during one of these breaks, then praise God. Other people could have came. I says, even you just came from half an hour or you came for an hour. And praise God, hallelujah, that's wonderful. And it's like, so Thomas, when, when he got to 10 o'clock, he says, you know, I kind of thought in my mind, he says, I was going to maybe just say, right, 10 o'clock, I'm off. He says, but I feel compelled to stay. I want to tell you this, God's, I've, I've, small, Thomas, God's going to bless you on that. Do you know why? He says, I felt compelled to stay, to stay the distance. You know, sometimes, see, praying, it's one of the hardest things to do. The flesh hates it. Did he say 12 o'clock? I mean, I'll be honest with you guys, I was thinking of checking out 11, I was shattered. I had a busy day the day before, and I thought, you know, I was going to try and attract Linda's attention, I was going to say... But you just push in there. And see, at the end of that prayer, I say, thank God. Thank God. And I'm just going to finish with this. I keep saying I'm going to finish. See, at the end of the night, and Stuart's my witness. He was here as well. And so was any other people in the room. Two big slugs on the counter. I mean, big slugs. What is that about a snail? Two big slugs. One of them right up on the counter, right? Sitting right on the, the, there. And then there was another one hiding behind the, underneath the cooker, just there. So we managed to get that one out as well. Got the spotlight on them. And we evicted them. Now I've been thinking about that. This, I was thinking about that next day, yesterday. I feel, I honestly felt there was something that God was shown to us. I, I just felt something demonically had been sorted out. I just felt there was something demonic in that. Just that these were these two snails now. You know, snails are creatures that hide, don't they? They're always hiding under slimy things and they always come out at night. They're always hiding and devouring the, the plants. You know, they always come out. That's what, something that they've got that kind of connotation to them. And I just felt the fact that they were, I mean, glaring, big ones. It was like, where did they come from? Thought maybe the place would be, I checked that. Maybe there was a lot of dampness down below. We could look at it. But they would just seem to be sitting there. And I just felt in the Lord that something had been dealt with. Why? Because there was a bunch of people doing prayer, prayer warfare. Prayer warfare. We were... 
crying out to the living God in the heavenlies. We were armor on. Swords were out flashing. Hallelujah. Glory to God. When you can understand the power of prayer, my friends, you'll be running to prayer meetings. When I get saved, I was running down the road in the snow. Woo-hoo. Seven o'clock prayer meeting. And I was just, I wasn't that long in the door. I understood right there. And I says, listen, that's, hey, I used to run to the pub. I used to run to Barhead to get a hash. I used to run all over the place for, my, for the wrong vices. Never came into the kingdom of God. I'm running to the prayer house. Glory to God. I'm running to the prayer meetings. I'm running to church. No, why? So I thought, I don't want you to miss anything. Something might happen that night. That was, the, that was what was going on in Ben Patu and the Living Waters. You did your Friday night, Saturday and Sunday. Prayer meetings a week. I gave myself to this. There was something going on in me. I want God. Glory to God. Fast forward that from 1986. Do you know, thank God for that. See, when I went for that run this morning, there was something more to that. That's between me and the Lord. Right, I had one there. I said, God, I want you. So there's a, physical, there's a physical exercise to a spiritual means and I'm running. I'm saying, God, I want you. Keep your hand upon my life. That's why I'm doing that. Keep your hand upon my life. I need you. I need you. I want you. And I'm running after you. Some of these things I just say to myself, just to encourage myself as we kind of push in there. Brethren, this, this message here is there to encourage you. All of us could, all of us could just sink a little bit under it. And you know, maybe you needed to hear that today. The love of God, friends. The love of God, you don't understand. See when you understand the love of God. See when you understand this love. See when you know that love. How powerful, how potent that is. How glorious that is. When you understand that love, well, I want to tell you this. You'll give everything to attain that love. Glory to God. And I want to encourage this church again. I want to see, because at the end of the day, I want people to walk through and say, I don't know, there's something in this place. And we've heard that quite a few times, people. Probably for the few people who walked out the door and went, there's no love in that place. Nobody spoke to me. <laughs> and um, not only should we be loving God, let's express that love to one another. Let's express that love, genuine love. Let's express it. You know, some of us maybe struggle to understand or, or to receive the love of God because, you know, things maybe went on in our life and it's, that's, that's caused us that. We've, we've missed out on that. But I want to tell you this, there's a God who loves you and you just need, you just said, Lord, I, I'm opening myself up to receive that love. And when you open yourself up to receive that love, it will change you and transform you and it will, it will totally blow you away. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Father, we thank you for your great love towards us this morning. If there's anyone in here, Father, that does not know that love, the Lord, Father, are outside, Lord God, your great love, Father, I pray that you will touch them this morning, you will minister to them. For Father, Lord, you have expressed your love to each and every single one of us. Your love is expressed. No one will stand before you and say, Lord, I did not know. Lord, everyone, Lord God, Father, Lord God, you've expressed your love to them, Lord. Father, they either step into it or they stay outside of it. My prayer this morning is, Lord, that, Lord, if there's anyone in this room, Lord, that you will touch their heart and you will draw them by your Holy Spirit, Father. Draw them into your glorious love. Father, I thank you for that love. Lord, I thank you for your love this morning. In the precious name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Amen.